Welcome to Kindled Podcast. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is the show where we talk about work, motherhood, and the grace we need for both. We are making and being made. Come join us. Hey guys, welcome back to Kindled. I'm your host, Haley Williams, and this is episode 77. Today I'm chatting with Christy Straub. Christy is a native Canadian, a wife to an American, and a mom to two feisty kids. She's a marriage and family coach and leads the Straub Co., an organization where she and her husband, Josh, coach families to live, love, and lead well. She's also the co-host of the In This Together podcast and co-authored a children's book with her husband, What Am I Feeling? Now, I've read this book with my girls, and I'll tell you more about it in my actual conversation with Christy, but we're going to be doing a giveaway of this book over on Instagram. So after or during the episode, while you're listening, be sure to go check out my profile, hayleywilliams.kindled, and find the picture of today's episode with Christy so that you can learn how to enter. Okay, now for my conversation with Christy Straub. Christy, thanks for being with us today. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah, I appreciate it. So um, I would love for you to introduce yourself to the listeners and tell us who you are and what you do. Yeah, my husband, Josh, and I, we live in Nashville, Tennessee. We are counselors by trade and education, um, and we love getting to work with families. So we have an organization called Famous at Home, and we work with leaders, basically relearning how that, how that is to be famous at home so that they can thrive on their stage. And we've just learned, it's just so easy in our culture to chase after, you know, the big stages and the accolades and no matter what that looks like for you. And often that leaves a wake and a, of relationships and contentment and peace and Sabbath and rest and, and a life of purpose. And so we get to do that. We have Two kiddos, Landon is seven, Kennedy is five, and we have a very disobedient golden doodle named Copper who just turned <laughs> one. <laughs> and um, life is pretty full, but it's fun. We do podcasting and we do coaching and speaking and get to write books. And, and it's just been really sweet getting to walk alongside a lot of families who mm-hmm. are really trying to live on purpose and not instead of, you know, by accident. and it's really incredible the transformation that you can see, not just in, in a few families, but honestly in a generation who is going after purpose, who is striving to live, love, and lead well, and watch have their kids watch them and then hopefully repeat and do the same. Yeah, that is really cool. I bet that's an awesome, I bet you have a unique vantage point as, you know, being able to see a lot of people doing that because those of us who are just like in the battle, like it can be, you can feel like you're sort of the only one, you know, like you're kind of isolated. I mean, we have community in our church, so we know we're not the only ones, but when you're out in the world or in your neighborhood, you know, sometimes you really can feel like, man, are we the only ones that are like wanting to do this in a way that is like God honoring? Oh, and and that's the thing. Like our podcast is literally called in this together because Mm. we literally all are in this together. Mm -hmm. But the funny, like, I really believe it's such a gift because it's exactly what you said. We all think, oh, we're the only ones. And you, we live in such an individualistic culture. So we just exist within the four walls of our home so often mm-hmm. or the, you know, the sides of our minivan or whatever you drive. And right. it's a lot of loneliness and comparison mm-hmm. and honestly, like quiet desperation. And mm-hmm. when you zoom out and you get to walk alongside and, and be involved in the lives and really in the private 
places of people's, you know, homes and hearts. It's incredible when you just see it's all of us. It's Mm -hmm. literally all of us. It's true for all of us. It looks different. You know, we all have different pain points and, and pain is at different volumes in different places, but it's the same. And the Bible and the truth of the word of God and the truth of just who God is and his character and in his work and through our lives, it applies the same for all of us. And it's amazing. I honestly it just blows me away every time that I'm like, this really, like, it's, it's not as complicated as we think it is. I'm not saying it's easy, but it's just mm-hmm. simpler because there is a way, you know, we were designed to function and this world just flips it on its head. Yeah. I agree. So where are you seeing God's grace in your life? I like to start off with that question after you, after the guests introduce themselves, just because I love like hearing where you're seeing that right now. I like that question. God's grace. Gosh, I have, you know, as I said, we're counselors, but that comes with, I think a whole lot of I would say heaviness because you start to carry what other people are carrying Mm -hmm. if you're not careful. And I've learned that if you want to be a person who helps other people, a people helper, whatever, you know, profession or whatever that looks like for you, I mean, as ministers of the word, right? Whatever we're doing to step into the lives of others will come at a cost to ourselves because we'll start to carry things that sometimes we weren't even meant to carry. And we have walked through our own season of getting, doing our own work of going to our own counseling and therapy. And I will say, <laughs> find a counselor who does their own work because that's mm-hmm. really, if you are not, it just, it just becomes a really you know dangerous cycle. But mm-hmm. we have gotten to do a lot of our own work in the last year, both Josh and I, and to watch just the freedom, I think that that's brought into our lives and of just shutting off old patterns and identities and things that we were chasing or, you know, f- trying to fill voids that we didn't even realize we had. Mm-hmm. I just remember one time, it's probably a couple years ago now, but I was walking through the Opryland Hotel here in Nashville and this thing, this prayer just came up out of my spirit. It was just, Lord, set me free to run in your ways. Just set me free to run in your ways. I didn't even know what it meant. I just said it. And I realized, I think I was under a lot of oppression, like Mm. whether that's from sin or the enemy, or, you know, it's obviously a combination of all of it, but that I was carrying that I didn't realize. And so in the last little while, I have literally watched the hand of God just strip away layers like an onion of just Mm. things of like places of oppression that I didn't realize were there and heaviness. I didn't know I was carrying. And I have, I think I could say, honestly, I'm freer and lighter and more joyful and peaceful than I've ever been. And I am, I take no credit for that at all. That is literally the grace of God in my life. And I am, I am so ridiculously grateful for it. Yeah. That's interesting that you mentioned like carrying the burdens of those that you are serving. I have thought of that and I, I have a counselor as well. And sometimes I leave and I'm like, man, it's going to suck to be her in some ways. I'm like, that's going to be so hard to just sit there and like, I mean, obviously <laughs> she loves it. Like I know she's doing it because that's what she, yeah. what she's passionate about and good at. But from my vantage point, I'm like, that'd be just really like difficult to sit in all of these emotions and watch people cry all day and, you know, just deal with like dysfunction in their life or their family. And it's so, I, I'm so grateful people want to do it. I just am like kind of in awe that someone can, you know? 
girl that like, I truly believe counselors, like if you're in full-time counseling ministry or practice, that is a calling of God. Cause that mm-hmm. is, it is so hard. We have actually switched. So counseling is very, you can think, think of it like looking in the rearview mirror. Mm-hmm. We have switched. So all of our work with families now is coaching, which is present and future based. So if there's mm-hmm. anything that comes up that is, you know, wounds from childhood and, you know, past traumas or, or things that are dealing with, you know, clinical depression or anxiety or sure. you know something, that's what we would refer to a counselor for. And count, they carry a very heavy load. Coaching is a little bit, I would say more, um, it's lighter in the sense that, I mean, you're still dealing with the problems that they're dealing with presently, but yeah. it's setting and it's looking at the future and, and setting, you know, vision and values and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So a, a true, like counselors who are doing that work, you know, 40 hours a week, I just, they are some of our dear friends that are in that field and they are, they carry a lot and they're, they're taught and they tr- are trained to, you know, leave that. Right. But, it's we're human, right? So <laughs> there's parts that just penetrate through. Yeah, absolutely. So I want to talk to you about your book and kind of the theme around that. Your guys's latest book is um, called "What Am I Feeling?" And yeah. first off, it is adorable. Like, just it's a really cute book. I I have a kid that's the perfect age. She's almost five. And the first time I read it to her, she was just glued. Like she she loved it and even my almost three-year-old was really engaged with it too. And, and really like listening. And I think learn, you know, what does that mean? Like kind of learning as we were reading it. And I was just like, and so I have two girls also, which I should mention. So emotions are a very real, real part of our life, like every day. And I know boys have emotions too, but there's just a lot that is like getting expressed and that is out on the table all of the time with my daughters. You know, I, I don't know. That's yeah. a whole other issue, but, um, <laughs> But I want to know kind of from you. But it's all part of this. That's yeah. That's yes. Good. Yeah. From your perspective, like what, why did you write this book? Why now? Like why this book? So the, great question. And I think really it comes back to, it's really the core of everything we do. My husband has studied and worked with, you know, juvenile delinquents and troubled families for decades and did all this research. I come from marriage and family background uh, counseling mm-hmm. and we, but then we started having kids <laughs> and mm-hmm. it was like the things that applied in practice and you could, you know, tell other people put to practice in your own life is a whole other story. And yeah. so we basically, we were so overwhelmed, honestly, with our kids. When our kids were babies, we, I literally call it the bottom rung of life. I reached a really hard really dark place. And it was at that place where we were so overwhelmed that we went back to the research and looked because we just said like, there are so many voices screaming that saying like, this is the way parent here, (laughs) parent this way. And they often contradict themselves. And then, and we were, we were lost in it. So we went back to the research and basically found that every outcome that we really want for our kids, like those major outcomes, like to get married, enjoy their marriage and stay married, to pick a career and love their friends and have lifetime relationships. I mean, the the big picture things we really want for our kids, it all came back to this one concept and this one kind of a research term, but it's called emotional safety. And a lot of people don't know what that is. A lot of people are very familiar with emotional intelligence, which is similar. Um, but you know, emotional safety isn't really talked about in the general population. And so 
Yet we found that this was the core. Like if we could get this into the lives, into our family, into our marriage, into the lives of those we serve, that this is really the essential Mm. building block of really having a a healthy, emotionally balanced, spiritually balanced life. And so we wrote a kid's book because about feelings, because really that's the basic, the very beginning to literally learn to name and recognize feelings. And what you'll find is that people who weren't ever taught that, I mean, it's the same as, and you probably saw in the back, you know, there's the feeling chart and a feelings chart is used in counseling, you know, from babies up into adults, because so many people have just never learned how to label or recognize emotion. Like it's just the awareness. And so you can imagine if you're not aware of what you're feeling, mm-hmm. how that will eventually come out sideways. Oh, I mean, uh, yeah, that's why I'm in counseling. I mean, <laughs> like, yeah, cause I don't know what I'm feeling. I'm like, I'm angry, but she's like, well, that's actually not a core emotion. I'm like, well, well I think yeah. it's because I'm just angry, you know. So. I know. And then they tell you it's a secondary emotion. Yes. You're like, well, I don't even know what that means. Yeah, I'm <laughs> like, I don't want to I don't want to admit that I'm sad, you know. And it's yeah. just it's it's been really powerful, even as an adult, and I'm over 30. So it's like, yeah. uh, yeah, I think that this is a book that maybe, you know, uh I need as well. You know, I mean, I know it's a children's book, but it the concept applies to me as well. Every single time I end up talking about this little sweet kids book. That is literally what we, mm-hmm. it's like, this is helpful for the kids, but kids are actually more aware of their emotions than we are. We're typically trained to shut down emotion. And here's where it applies to us as parents, mm-hmm. because if we can allow our children to feel, which typically, you know, we are carrying some sort of wound or baggage from our childhood. So we were either taught maybe that certain emotions are better than others or that emotion isn't okay. So it's not okay to express fear or anger or sadness, but like mom and dad just want you to be happy. And that's a message that's often even inadvertently, you know, passed on to kids. It's like, I just want you to be happy. And so we as parents can get really triggered when we see our kids exhibiting a a certain emotion. And that typically applies, you know, it's, 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 it's hitting a place where we carry something from our childhood. So it might be like for me, anger. I grew up with, and, and a lot of little girls, especially talking about Haley, your little girl, like the, a lot of little girls are given the impression that anger is not okay for girls. Mm-hmm. We must be sweet and kind and uh, appropriate for every situation. Mm-hmm. But girls get angry. And I was a child who had a lot of anger mm-hmm. and I was, and a granted, um, in society, angry, strong girls obviously are looked down upon currently. So we have learned to adapt. So then we become sweet. We become, but all we're doing is stuffing down the actual emotion that we're feeling, right? And then we learn to just keep doing this all over the course of our life. And so when we start to see our kids maybe ex- exhibit anger or or something that again that hits a place in us, we either want to dismiss it, punish it. And these are the things that almost replicate the pattern, right? So we're like, you know, for our, I mean, with my own little guy, fear was a big one that he started exhibiting when he went to school. And because I grew up a fearful child, fear is very tender for me. Mm -hmm. So when I start to see that in my little guy, I, what is probably a normal feeling or emotion for him, just in the normal range of emotion 
feels huge to me. So I overreact. And then I go down this fear spiral of he's going to be, he's going to have an anxiety disorder. I'm afraid that, you know, and this is what we do as parents, right? Because we start to see things through the lens of our own story. And, And that's where I think, what am I feeling is just such a, it's just permission. It's permission for all of us to feel the whole range of emotion. And that means all of them. That's the good ones that we like. And that's, you know, typically labeled negative ones that we don't like to feel. But what's amazing is if we can get into our kids' brains and lives and also into ours, reprogram our own, (laughs) that emotional health really is the ability to come in and out of the whole range of emotion. Hmm. Wow. Yeah. And, and really that means whatever we're doing to numb emotion or shut it down is actually, I remember, I remember actually being with my counselor and she said one of the most profound things that has literally shifted things in my life forever. She said, Christy, whatever you do to numb, you know, whatever that is, sadness, grief, anger, fear, the negative ones, the things you don't like to feel, it doesn't just numb those feelings. It numbs the whole range of emotion. Mm. So there'll be, that's why you don't feel joy or excitement or you're, you're not, there's no energy in life anymore for you. And I was like, like brain blowing up, like, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Like, but here we are, you know, scrolling Instagram or shopping or working or, or, you know, eating, drinking, binge watching, whatever it is to just stop feeling. And, and that honestly, to be true, totally truthful that has a place. There's a time for that. There's a time that that's fine. But too many of us are living lives of numbing and that's where we get into trouble. Yeah. Oh, so true. I I don't know if I've used this example on the podcast before, so people can just forgive me if they've already heard this, but I recently in a counseling appointment was talking about this very thing and how I really, one of the things that triggers me, and, and I, I don't use that in a way to say it's justified, but it just, I've noticed that this sets me off is when my kids get hurt and mm. they start crying and they're sad. And like, and, and, and I, I don't, I haven't fully uncovered or figured out what it is about this, but I think it's tied to the fact that I can't fix it. I can't undo whatever just happened. Like say, so my daughter was walking by my clothes, uh, my cabinet, my dresser, she, it's like a auto closed drawer. And I think her finger, she touched it. It started closing and it got stuck and she was crying. Mm -hmm. And my tendency when she's like crying in pain is not to be like, Oh, I know you're hurting. I'm so sorry. What can, you know, what can I do? My tendency is to be like, why did you do that? Why did you close? I told you not to touch the dresser. Why did you close your finger in the drawer? You shouldn't have done that. You know? Cause I'm like, I can't do anything about it. And and I can't, I can't fix her pain. Like I, she just has to be in pain for a while. Like I can obviously comfort her, but yeah. I and tip towards, angry. yeah. So I get angry yeah. as a defense, I guess, against like, you're sad and I can't fix it for you. And so I'm mad that you did that, you know? And so, and it, it probably hurts me that you're hurting, but I can't like, I can't fix it. And I want to fix or, you know, solve your problem and I can't. And, and so it was really helpful for me to like realize I need to like, I need help in that area. Like I need to pray and ask God for patience with my children to learn how to comfort them and allow them to feel sad or hurt or whatever that emotion is they're feeling in the moment and not just be like, don't feel that. Don't feel that you shouldn't have done that. It's your fault. Like blaming and getting angry that they are feeling this thing. It's just, it's kind of 
crazy how like deep the rabbit hole goes once you, once you actually look at why, you know, why you have a certain reaction when things happen or why you tend to want to numb out when your kids are being difficult and you want to have sugar or for me, it's like, I want to have a a treat or a special thing. So like, I want to like go get a latte or, you know, that's my pull. And so it's interesting. Yeah. It's, it's really interesting. So it totally aligns with what you're saying. Hey mamas, real quick. If you love this podcast, I think you'd also love the Mompreneur Mastermind Show. It's hosted by my girl, friend, and mentor, Stephanie Gass, who is inspiring, real, hilarious, and genius at what she does. Steph is on a mission to help women uncover their God-led callings here on earth and create a brand and business to further that mission. I'm obsessed with how Steph teaches and preaches intentional living, balance, time blocking, and taking your power back. Steph's show is full on faith-based business mentorship, marketing, mindset shifts, inspiring interviews, and so much more. Listen, if you are a business owner, want to grow your brand, scale your community, or have an idea tugging at your heart, but you're afraid to leap, her podcast is a must. Head to bit.ly slash the mompreneur mastermind show or anywhere you listen to podcasts and subscribe now. You won't regret it. I'll meet you there. That's it. And girl, like I just truly, can I just honor you for a second though? Because that type of insight and the willingness to do that level of work on yourself is rare and it's beautiful because there's so many of us that just like, it's, you know, a reaction is like whatever comes at us when we're hit. Right. So, you know, it's the fight, 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 flight, freeze response. It's the anger. It's the, Mm -hmm. you know, and a response is where we take the pause and it's like, what's really going on here? Okay. Mm -hmm. I'm going to respond now in the moment versus, I mean, we're walking around in a world of people just reacting to whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, bumps them. But to have the, just the bravery, I think it, mm-hmm. it, because it takes a role. I mean, you uncover things about yourself you don't like, and yeah. you don't like that, oh, you know, sure. you get angry because really, I mean, what you're in that instance, I mean, really it's helplessness mm-hmm. and it's probably, you know, there's this anger that like, I live in a world I cannot control. Yeah, I pretend exactly. like I can't, but then when something happens that is outside of my control and I realize how helpless I am, I get mad. About oh it. yes. It's a, it's, it's totally that. And we don't have any kids in school yet, but I, I know, I promise you as the, as we approach the school years, this is going to come out even more. If I don't like, if, if I don't kind of get to the core belief or fear that I'm allowing to kind of control me in that moment, Like, because you can't control what is happening at your kid's school, who says what to them, who hurts their feelings, or maybe says something mean and they come home and they're set, you know, we can't control it. And that stuff, (laughs) I really wish I could, but that stuff makes me, I mean, I turn into like, I mean, psycho mom. I'm like, don't you ever, you know, I just, I want to like, I want to (laughs) slay. So I'm like, this is, uh, yeah, I need to, I need to work on this and be aware that it doesn't just stop. Like this is just how it's working itself out now that they're little and they're getting hurt and they're clumsy and, you know, doing things that are not the most intelligent things. Um, but it's not going to go away as they get older, just by default, you know what I'm saying? So because it's, it's really a, a core issue with myself. So the funny thing is we're talking about a kid's book, but <laughs> I'm talking to you about, I know. You that's know. what I'm saying. Like it literally, it's not even about the kid's book. The kid's right. book is a great tool yeah. but um, for translating it into kid terms. But half the time, I mean, my husband had wrote a book called safe house, um, how emotional safety is the key to raising kids who live, love and lead well. And that's like a parenting book. But 
we realized how many, how few parents really have time to read a full parenting book. Mm -hmm. So we're like, how do we get it into the hands of more families in a way that's just so much more, that's just digestible. Mm -hmm. And it was like, let's write a kid's book. (laughs) And that's what it became. And it's amazing. But the conversations that go the same from it is, is just like, you just can go deeper and deeper. But I will say this because this can start to feel really overwhelming to people. Like, I don't want to go there. I don't, this sounds like too confusing, too deep, too much work. I I don't want to uncover all that stuff. Um, I will say this, the basic concept of literally learning to recognize emotion. It's not hard. It's like learning that, you know, when you point to your kids when they're little, like this is the color blue. When you see this, this means blue. It's the same thing um, that we get to teach our kids, but we get to learn alongside them now because if there was, you know, voids or holes in what we were taught or the home we grew up in. And we all came from a very different story in that regard, you know, but typically, you know, there will be some sort of wound that has, we've carried with us, probably don't even know it. And so part of it is just starting to uncover our own story. Just like you're saying, Haley, like, why do I get so angry at my kids when they get hurt? Like, I, why do I do that? And it's not, a lot, but it's just a pause and just to reflect, give yourself talking about God's grace. Let's give ourselves grace. Mm-hmm. It's not that you're trying to fix it. It's not, it's literally just starting with an awareness because yeah. and any years where, you know, I, I think this is helpful for everyone because like that anger you're feeling is great. That's fine. That emotion is telling you something. It also is telling you that there is an an energy that you have to get out of your body. There's anger that's in there and who, you know, where that comes from, we don't know right now, but it, it will take over your life the the longer you try to tamp it down or numb it out. And so really whatever that looks like for you, I mean, we, typically really have hard times having our kids throw temper tantrums or slam doors or like we hate it. Like it looks disrespectful. It feels like they're maniacs, but they're, they are literally needing a physical release of the energy that's pent up inside their body. It's the same when we cry. There's a reason there's such a a release and a relief after we cry because the energy that's in there, that sadness, it just generates energy in the body and it needs to come out. And so to provide avenues for our kids to let that out, you know, whether it's like we have a corner of our house where it's like pillows and punching bags and it could be an ottoman, it could be, you know, beds obviously, but then you set boundaries. So they're, they're learning that you can't hit people. You can't hit pets. You can't hit walls or doors, but there are really healthy ways to get your anger out. Maybe mom or dad goes to the gym. Maybe they go for a run. Maybe they dig in the garden, but you need to have avenues to get out that, emotion just as much as they do. And I don't think that's something we afford ourselves often as grownups because we think we need to be sort of put together most of the time. Even as you're talking, I'm like skeptical. Like I believe you, but I'm also skeptical because I'm like, but okay, how do I know what anger is good and what anger is bad? Like there could be anger that is righteous anger. Like if my younger daughter takes the older one's toy you know, she should be angry because that she was wronged. But what about when she's just angry that she has to share? So then like, how do you differentiate between the motive of the heart? And, and as parents, you know, sometimes we, that's obvious to us. And we're like, no, you're in the wrong. This is sinful. You should, you know, we need to teach you to be generous versus like, 
anger that needs to be let out and given like uh, an avenue, like you're talking about, like, how do we, how do you like do that? That seems Absolutely. Kind of, seems hard. And that's, where, that's where the message of the book moves from, you know, naming the emotion to a feeling is just a feeling. It's not in charge of you. Yes. I, I love mean, that line. It does not get to be in control of you. Mm-hmm. So that's where, but you cannot be in control of something you're not aware of. Mm. So it would be like in that moment, you know, asking your daughter, like, I, it looks to me like you're angry that you have to share Mm. There's something even in the verbalizing back to someone, how they're feeling inside Mm. that takes some of the, it's like, yeah, that's it. You Mm -hmm. get me. Like, it's like this relief of like, yeah, that's Being understood. Yes. Yes. This like empathy really. And so and then you can move them. Okay. That's anger. You, f- you feel angry. Does that make sense? And mm-hmm. then we can start to talk to them about the emotion. Now it doesn't now, obviously if they're starting to like throw a full out temper tantrum, that's a different, but if we're talking about like that part of the, is just the observation and awareness and then mi- like mirroring back to them. I think you feel angry right now. Does that sound right? Do you feel, mm-hmm. is that what angry feels like in your body? Because so often they just blow up without recognizing how a feeling feels viscerally in their body. Yeah. When they start to feel that feeling, but then they get to take control of it. It doesn't get to be in charge of them. And that's where we learn self-control and all the higher functioning parts of the brain, but they're just not developed yet. Right. Right. So, I mean, they're actually not developed until they're after 21. So, Oh uh, yeah, totally. That's true. There's a long, there's a long way to go, but that's all of our part. You know, we always kind of joke like parenting isn't rocket science. It's just brain surgery. I mean, Mm. we just literally the way we respond to them is that we can rewire their brains. We can uh, yeah. rewire their brains for self-control, for problem solving, for all the higher functioning parts that you honestly don't see in people who have, you know, juvenile delinquents and, and people who have gotten to older stages in life because of the way they were raised or the environment, they just, that was never fully formed. And so yeah. you'll see a lot of really bad decisions and we get to be the parents that just walk alongside our kids and we will mess up. We will mess up time and time again. We will punish the emotion. We will minimize it. We will dismiss it. And those are, there's times where that's just necessary to be honest. I mean, you know, they're throwing a fit over having to, or, you know, they're upset. You have to leave for school or something. And it's like, I understand you're upset. We have to go to school. Like it's yes, you're dismissing the emotion, but at the time, like that's just what we have to do. But yeah. when they come home from school and they were bullied or someone said something, it may not feel big to you. It may feel like oh, get over it. Like it's fine, but that's dismissing their emotion. And mm-hmm. to, to be able to, as a parent, just get on their eye level and sit with them and let them feel that's really emotional safety. It's, okay. it's being the person who they are safe to be themselves with, to bring their emotion to. It's like your anger is okay with me. Your mm-hmm. sadness is okay with me. Your fear is okay with me. It doesn't get to control you, Yes. but I am right. okay with you. You don't just have to be happy for mom or dad to love you and approve of you. That's so important. Yeah. I love you when you're angry. I love you when you're sad. I love you when you're afraid and yeah. you can bring to me all those emotions. Cause that's really, I mean, we essentially get to be a reflection of our heavenly father. Who's 
does the exact same thing for us. Yeah. That's such an important distinction because like, that is not a message we're getting from culture. That's not a message our kids are getting from culture. I mean, maybe there's some Daniel Tiger episodes that are like, you know, feelings, <laughs> feelings are okay, but you don't have to, you know, whatever. I don't know. Maybe there is, but there are. Daniel that, Tiger's about the only one that he's about the only positive influence on TV. Yeah. So my four-year-old, uh, so I have the four and the three-year-old and the three-year-old is like, still in that stage of throwing the tantrum, like not a major tantrum, but she cries a lot. She cries about, you know, any given, like if we have to put her shoes on because we're running late and she doesn't get to do it herself, you know, like loses it. And the older one, we first read this book a couple weeks ago, I think when I got it in the mail and the older one, as we were talking to the younger one, Juliet, about you know, we, we don't throw fits and scream and and mom and dad, when we need to help you put your shoes, we say, okay, mom, thank you. It's okay. And the old one was like, yeah, Juju, you can be sad, but you, your feelings don't have to control you. And she used the exact line from the book and it was so sweet. And I was like, it's working. (laughs) She, she, she remembers like, it's really cool. It's really cool to hear. And then the younger one has also said it back to the older one a few times when she's been in trouble for something. And it's just really, they're using it to like, like correct each other. Cause they really oh. love to do that, but it's really cute. Oh girl. I like literally, we said the other day we were, you know, working on some things with our son and, and then our daughter, cause our, we have a four-year-old who, well, she's five, but she cries about everything. <laughs> cries about everything and everything comes out in tears. And so we've had to work with her similar, you know, to anger. It's a sec. This is coming. These tears are coming out. This is a secondary. It's like, what is actually going on? Yeah. Oh, you're angry right now. Mm-hmm. You're angry. Okay. That's okay. Like, let me help you get your anger out. But anger is different than sadness. Anger is different than, you know, but it was really cute. So we keep saying, you know, we're working on this with her. We're working on this with our son. And he literally looks at my husband and he goes, what are you working on, Dad? <laughs> Love it. And Josh is like, "Yes, I am working on." And so he comes up with his response. Yeah. I, you know, it's like it's just all of us. We will yeah. never get this right. It's but to be a home or a family that's emotionally safe is really the goal, right? Where it's just mm-hmm. it's the safest place in the whole world for all of us to be where yeah. we can be accepted for all our things, even though we're works in progress and it's going to come out sideways sometimes, but we can sit with each other no matter what we're feeling. And there's just some, some transfer of understanding and empathy and warmth and the rest of it, the discipline. I mean, all those things we're working so hard on as parents to sort of, you know, try to, to develop character and all the good things that we want for our kids in life. It comes in time, but if we can get this part right, early on, we're just setting our kids up for success in life. Yes. Yeah. And I I think now about, you know, a lot of the listeners have kindled are young moms and moms with, you know, with children that are either in, you know, the toddler years or maybe in early elementary school. And, you know, I'm thinking like, this is important now, but it's even more important later because these, you know, the issues they face, the challenges they come up against become a lot bigger and more life determining and defining than shutting your finger in a drawer. You know, it becomes what, what, what do they feel like they have to hide from me because they know that I, I won't be able to handle it. If that, you know, if that's their situation, if that's what they think about their mom or their dad is that like, mom can't deal when I tell her the truth about how I'm feeling, then what are they going to start hiding? You know, (laughs) not to say I want to live out of fear, but like, 
I don't want them to have that impression of me the whole time I'm raising them so that as adults, they don't feel like they can trust me. They don't feel like I can handle it because maybe I never could, you know? And so I think it's important for us as adults and parents to go, are we, you know, are we actually feeling emotionally safe in the sense that like, are our emotions okay with us? And are, do we know that God is okay with our emotions? And that gets into a whole nother, you know, spiritual maturity yeah. conversation, I guess, which I'm sure you have all the time because that it's like to, to raise emotionally healthy kids, we need to be emotionally healthy adults. And so and one of the things that you, you mentioned earlier to me was as like, why our kids need to be able to empathize with others as they get older. So maybe for the last few minutes, you can kind of chat about, you know, how that helps them as they're, you know, becoming adults and, and actually having empathy in the world, which is something oh, absolutely. That we and really I- don't have much of. But yeah, empathy, um, basically, it's just the ability to step into the shoes of another person, right? So, but it's impossible for us to empathize with someone else if we don't even know what we're feeling. We need to be able to look in the face of another person, of another kid at school or on the playground and look at that face and see like, she looks sad today or, or he looks angry mm-hmm. or that's, but to be able to, first of all, recognize what that is and then know what to do with it. So know how to respond to that child because in our world, we don't, unfortunately, we've sort of learned to dismiss how other people are feeling. We, we treat them like robots and not like humans. Yeah. And we plow over a lot of people in the process. And to be able to empathize with someone, I mean, to have a child who can look at a friend and say, you know, I feel like you're sad. Do you want to come play with me? I mean, just, just that alone to get outside of themselves and to look at another and recognize what they're feeling and then maybe what they can do to help, to serve, to love. I mean, it's literally the gospel at work. I mean, but there's a lot of people who aren't teaching their kids that because we live in such an individualist society. So it's like, step on whatever you have to, like, it's okay. That wasn't your fault. Mm -hmm. You know, that was Bobby's fault and he shouldn't have, you know, made you angry. It's okay that you pushed him down the playground, but you can't real. real. It really is. And on, I mean, let's be honest. There are times I feel the exact same way. Yeah. Not your fault, but I know (laughs) I can't, you know, I need to sit with like, there is another human on the other side of that. And I cannot constantly blame the world or people for what my kids are struggling with or what I'm struggling with. And so one thing I do want to, when we're talking about emotion and we're talking about being able to sit with our kids in emotion, in whatever emotion that is, recognizing that we are going to get it wrong a lot is what we all need to just take a deep breath and realize we will mess up. We will yell, we will punish them for their emotion, we will dismiss it, and we'll minimize it. But what's amazing, and I hope this is so encouraging for all of us moms who are just, we're trying to do a good job, but our humanness gets in the way. If we can just get this emotional safety thing right two out of five times, two out of five, (laughs) we will still get the outcomes that we're looking for in our kids we will still be a person that they look to as emotionally safe, that they can be safe with. And I think that is something that we all need to just recognize because regardless if you're coming from a home where there's two parents that are invested and on board, or if there's a lot of families that have one mom or one dad who is trying to raise their kids and be emotionally safe. And the other one is not, doesn't get it, isn't there yet. And that's, 
that's okay. But a child just needs one. A child needs one person. It could be a grandparent, could be an aunt, could be a coach Mm -hmm. or a teacher. I hope it comes from within the home, but we get to do it for our kids and we don't have to do it perfectly because what we're really modeling for them is that we make mistakes Mm -hmm. because the other three out of five times, the research says a word repair, the Bible calls it forgiveness. And it tells us to practice it a lot. And if we can repair, ask for forgiveness, be really specific about the offense, what we did wrong, how we punished or dismissed or we got angry and ask our children for their, for their forgiveness. We not only model for them that we're not perfect, but we model for them that we don't expect them to be. And then how to fix it when they mess up too. Yeah, that's, that's really good. And that is so encouraging because two out of five feels doable. Like, and then the other three times I'm going to model, uh, repentance and asking for forgiveness, which they also need to learn because they're going to mess up too. So that's really good. Exactly. And I just think we all need that. It's just who we are. And I think the less we put pressure on ourselves or our kids to run after or chase some version of perfection that will never be possible. Mm-hmm. There's too many of us, I think, that are trying to do this right so badly. Like we just have a death grip on on our kids and their lives and our schedules and the way we raise them and our own lives. And we're so filled with shame and guilt over the mistakes that we make day after day. And a lot of that needs to be left at the cross. Oh, yes. Amen. That's such, that's such a good word. I feel like there's times that people are like, I can't do this. And I'm like, Oh, I wanted to say like, you don't have to all the time. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for mentioning that. Well, Chrissy, this has just been um, really encouraging personally, just for me as a mom that is like in the trenches with all of these emotions. And (laughs) I would just strongly encourage everyone listening to check out your book. What am I feeling? Where can people find you online and connect with you? Yeah, well, you can find us at drjoshandchristy.com or on social media. I'm just Christy Straub. It's C-H-R-I-S-T-I. Okay, awesome. Thank you so much. And we're doing a giveaway with one of your books, so that'll be fun. We'll do that on social media and announce all that and tag you and all that. I appreciate that. That's awesome. Yes. But thanks, Haley. I appreciate yes. it. It's great to talk. You too. All right, bye. Be sure to come back next Monday when my episode with Scarlett Hiltabidal airs. Scarlett wrote two books, Afraid of All the Things, and he numbered the pores on my face. And next week, we're going to be doing even more book giveaways on Instagram. So there's just so many opportunities to win. I feel kind of like Bob Barker on The Price is Right. He was so much better than Drew Carey. I almost just said Drew Barrymore. Am I the only one that gets those two mixed up? Okay. Um, Yeah, that's all for today, guys. Have an awesome week and I'll see you next Monday.